Hey everybody, I'm Greg. And I'm Dave. Welcome to episode 12. Glad you're here. Appreciate you listening on your preferred podcast platform and watching us on Rumble. Greatly appreciate the support. Please don't forget to subscribe. It's free. Let us know what you think of the show, what you'd like to see more of, or maybe what you'd like to see less of. Your feedback is helpful and valuable. Don't forget, contact us at the Greg and Dave Show at Outlook.com. The Greg and the letter N, Dave Show at Outlook.com. All right, let's jump right in. More than 270 sudden cardiac deaths in U.S. athletes after vaccination. Peer review study. Peer review study. This is from the Epic Times, Marina Zhang, January 4th. 279 athletes and former athletes in the United States have died from cardiac arrest after taking COVID-19 vaccines, according to data from a recent peer-reviewed study. Authored by structural biologist Panagis Pokikritis and board-certified internist and cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough, the study's cited data found that from 2021 to 2022, at least 1,600 cardiac arrests have been globally documented vaccinated athletes, with 1,114 of those being fatal. The global data also showed that between 21 and 22, former and current American athletes made up 279 of the mortalities. Athletes have a lower chance of cardiac arrest and sudden cardiac death as compared to non-athletes. A 2016 U.S. study calculated that, mo- that non-athletes compared to athletes have a 29 times higher chance of sudden cardiac death. One of the reasons is because athletes are screened out for the common causes of sudden death on the playing field. McCullough told the Epic Times, players are screened for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which makes up almost 50% of sudden cardiac deaths in athletes as well as other less common heart abnormalities. The intensive screening is what makes competitive level sports safer than everyday sporting activities, McCullough argued. Sudden cardiac deaths in athletes increased after vaccination. McCullough pointed to a European study that tracked sudden cardiac deaths in European athletes over 38 years from 1966 to 2004. The study reported that 1,100 sudden cardiac deaths over the interval, which Polycritus estimated would be around 29 deaths per year. How long was that interval? 1966 to 2004. In the U.S., it is estimated that 100 to 150 athletes die every year from sudden death. The data cited in the study, however, showed that in 2022 alone, over 190 deaths from cardiac arrests have been reported in current and former athletes. This does not conclude the deaths of athletes with unknown vaccine statuses and those whose names did not make it into the media. McCullough said, looking at the data, there is no doubt that sudden cardiac deaths have increased following However, since most of the sudden cardiac deaths in the media are professional, competitive players, McCullough added, that collecting data from athletes in colleges, high schools, and other international leagues would give a more 
Okay, that's a picture. He pointed to studies that have shown high myocarditis increases followed following COVID-19 vaccinations. Prior to the pandemic of 2017, prior to the pandemic, a 2017 study in Finland found that myocarditis rates were 19.5 per, per million for children 15 years of age and younger. Another 2012 Japanese study on pediatric admissions reported even lower rates of 2.6 cases per million in children age one month to 17. In the data released by CDC in June 21, researchers expected myocarditis rates in vaccinated 12 to 17 year old males to be 63 cases per million. By the following year, researchers at the CDC noted that myocarditis numbers in young males were exceeding the background rates. A study by researchers from Kaiser Permanente published in August 22 estimated myocarditis would be 186 cases out of a million after a second dose of vaccine in 12 to 17 year old children. In males this summer was raised to 377 cases out of a However, in prospective studies on Thai study, one Thai study found that 2.3% of children who received two shots of the mRNA doses had a heart injury. Another study evaluated 777 healthcare workers who were boosted and 2.8% reported a heart injury. This means that if the results are extrapolated, around 25,000 people per million could suffer from heart injuries after two or three doses of COVID-19 vaccinations, according to McCullough. I am very concerned, said McCullough. This is a public health problem. I think it is incumbent upon individuals to disclose the vaccine status. We see the report of public figures or athletes one after another dying suddenly with no explanation. It's incumbent upon the families, the medical staff, the doctors, and the reporters to disclose the vaccine status. They are investigational vaccines, and they are linked to death in peer-reviewed studies. A German autopsy study evaluated 25 people who died unexpectedly within 20 days of being vaccinated. Four of the individuals were found with myocarditis without any other disease signal that may have caused the unexpected death. The authors concluded that their autopsy studies indicated that deaths were due to cardiac failure and that myocarditis could be a potentially lethal complication following mRNA-based anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. It should also be noted that myocarditis events have also been reported in unvaccinated COVID-19 patients in 2020, and studies have shown that the virus can cause heart damage. But it is debatable if the heart injuries patients experience are caused by myocarditis or some other reasons. A study published in April 22 found that increases in myocarditis and pericarditis are strategically, excuse me, are statistically insignificant among unvaccinated individuals after COVID infection. The researchers evaluated around 197,000 unvaccinated patients and there were 9 and 11 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, respectively. A French study that tracked cardiac arrests in athletes per pandemic from 2005 to 2018 also found that the rate of cardiac arrest in sports has remained constant, while survivability of these events has increased due to help from bystanders. Yeah.
is your update on like everything present. When uh when it became known what the FAA was doing to the teacher requirements for pilots flying, mm. mm-hmm. uh, it also became known, and, and I believe that was subsequent to that to that article that they estimate at least. 50 million Americans have heart damage because of this. How many people in this country? That's what? Three, what, 300 million? I say 350 million, give or take. Mm-hmm. 50 million people at, at least. Alright? I saw this re- uh, news reporter on ABC had a cardiac arrest event due to myocarditis mm-hmm. and uh, she got treated came yeah. back and said it was the flu uh-huh. <laughs> I mean nice. so this expectation that these people will, will report on anything truthfully and honestly is is really a waste of a waste of time they, they're not going to alright I'm going to just hit some I'm just gonna like quickly just China's role in illicit fentanyl running rampant on US streets Beijing never curbed the production of fentanyl but encouraged it investigative journalist says Epic Times by Ann Zhang again and Sean Zheng January 7th updated January 8th fentanyl overdose has become the leading cause of death for young Americans since 2019 U.S. authorities say that China remains the primary source of the precursor chemicals, which are then processed and manufactured into synthetic opioids opioids by Mexican drug cartels to bring into the United States. Let's see. In response to the rising threat of the use of fentanyl, bipartisan lawmakers last year introduced the End Fentanyl Act, a bill intended to strengthen border enforcement and combating the flow of fentanyl into the United States. I don't remember that ever happening. I, I do. I bet the border's still wide open. <laughs> That's the point, right? <laughs> you secure the borders by just opening it up and just letting hundreds of thousands yep. of people just invade. Oh, my goodness. Boy, leave it to, get to the government to come up with uh, acronyms. This is called N-Fentanyl. N-Fentanyl. Stands for... Eradicating narcotic drugs and formulating effective new tools. Address national yearly losses of life. Who sits down and co- does I, that? I'm sure that cost that cost a couple thousand dollars. Oh, at least the taxpayers' money right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably a study done on that. Golly. Yeah. So far, too many Americans have lost loved ones to opioid overdoses, and millions more are currently suffering from substance use disorder. Working together, we must do everything we can to stem the flow of illicit fentanyl into our communities. Says Trone on December 13th. Uh, the Senate headed to the House of Representatives, where Congressman Michael Guest, uh, a Republican Mississippi, 3rd District, and David Trone, Democrat, Maryland, 6th District. 
Fentanyl is a powerful synthetic opioid up to 50 times more potent than heroin and up to 100 times stronger than morphine. Fentanyl has remained the leading cause of death for Americans aged 18 to 45 since 2019, surpassed by suicide, car accidents, COVID-19, and cancer, according to CDC. The majority of fentanyl is mass-produced in Mexico using chemicals from China before being pressed pressed into pills or mixed with other counterfeit pills made to look like Xanax, Adderall, or Oxycodone. The Chinese city of Wuhan is known as the fentanyl capital of the world. Following the initial outbreak of the coronavirus disruptions, two fentanyl production supply in Wuhan set off a chain reaction that hit the production of fentanyl and meta, you right, methamphetamine. Well, that's going to spell that in Mexico, which caused street drug prices to skyrocket across the U.S. China is linking the fentanyl issue and negotiations with other totally different issues, like the Taiwan issue. So when Pelosi visited Taiwan, one of the ways in which China retaliated against the U.S. was to seek negotiations over the fentanyl issue. I mean, what is there to negotiate, really? Because I don't recall hearing... At any point, any uh, fentanyl-related drug crisis in China. Now, I mean, they mm. would probably keep it under wraps, but I think there's enough dissent in China now that something like that would become known to to outside countries. But I, I so they're making this specifically to target the U.S. Yeah, I mean specifically, and they're negotiating. China has sought to encourage exports of these harmful and illegal drugs, as they are seen as a vital part of its economy. Right. Well, I mean, drugs would be a vital part of any economy. Seems like this is the only country that does it to their own people, though. <laughs> yeah. So here we do. Over two hundred Democrats vote against condemning attacks on pro-life. Pregnancy centers. Mary Margaret Olihan, January 11th. So, yeah, over 200 House Democrats voted Wednesday against condemning the slew of attacks on pro life pregnancy centers that have occurred since the leak of the draft opinion indi- indicating that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade. H. Con Res 3, expressing the sense of Congress condemning the recent attacks on pro life facilities facilities, groups, and churches passed 228-208 with three Democrats supporting it. At least 78 pro-life groups and 108 churches have been attacked since May, according to Catholic vote trackers. Vandals have often tagged these buildings with uh, threats such as, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. Making the attacks uh, incidents of suspected pro-abortion violence. Yet, as of Wednesday, authorities have not arrested anyone in connection with these incidents. Democrats, like New York Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, have been loath to condemn or even acknowledge the attacks. This week, Democratic leadership, if you can call it that, urged lawmakers to vote no on HCON Res 3, defending their stance but noting that the resolution does not discuss attacks on pro-abortion groups. Assaults on abortion clinics increased 128% last year over 2020. 
An email from Dem Whip Catherine Clark states, apparently citing numbers from the National Abortion Federation. Planned Parenthood's action arm similarly claims that the resolution ignores threats of violence against abortion providers and patients. So, so alright. Now, they say attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, right? Now, they don't explain what the attacks are. See, this is the kind of thing that I have to raise my eyebrow at the uh, the person that wrote this. Because they firebombed churches. They firebombed um, these centers. They've um, physically destroyed them, breaking windows, doors. They've attacked the people that work there. Um, they've attacked the people going there for help. Physically assaulted them. That's what happened. Right now, when they say assault on abortion providing centers, what assault are we talking about? Because I don't recall hearing about well, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me read that again because it says, and it's a quote assaults on abortion clinics increased 128 percent over 2020. An email from this person, so it's a quote, it's not a it's not a, uh, it's a quote from this Democrat, Catherine Clark. I so, see. So good, yeah. So it's not a uh, from the author. The DOJ's Civil Rights Division has refused to share with the Daily Signal whether it is prosecuting any of these under the Freedom of Access Clinic Entrances Entrances Act or ACE. Well, we know they are because they pick people up from their homes. Yeah, they're only doing it <laughs> if you're pro-life, not if you're exactly. Which prohibits threats of force, obstruction, and property damage intended to interview, interfere with productive health care services. Meanwhile, the Civil Rights Division charged 26 pro-life individuals in 2022 with violations of the FACE Act. Though the legislation protects both pro-life pregnancy centers and abortion clinics, as a DOJ official noted, Rep. Chip Roy, Republican Texas, in December. Also in December, Associate Attorney General... Vanita Gupta revealed the DOJ has been targeting pro-life activists through the FACE Act as a response to the overturn of Roe as she delivered remarks at the Justice Department Civil Rights Division the 65th anniversary. The Associate Attorney General described the overturn of Roe v. Wade as, quote, the devastating blow to women throughout the country, close quote, and took away, quote, the constitutional right of abortion to abortion. What does that mean? And increase the urgency of the DOJ's work, including the enforcement of the FACE Act to ensure continued law access to reproductive services, close quote. Why are you going to take these people seriously, man? I mean, there are people out there that soak it up. The House Republican resolution lists dozens of attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers and churches and states that Congress condemns these attacks and urges DOJ to prosecute them, which, you know, won't happen. Catholic Vote President Brian Birch described the resolution as a test of the authenticity of the Democrats' purported design to fight domestic terrorism. Uh, that was a quote. Another quote, I, a likely disingenuous desire, says Birch, considering that Democrats have spent months downplaying and even encouraging violence against pro-life organizations that exist to provide millions of 
$25 worth of resources and support to women and children. Quote, it's remarkable that something as, a, as straightforward as protecting women and children from violent attacks, as well as innocent children from the excruciating trauma of abortion, is controversial in the least, he added. Violence should be a pet... A partisan issue and no America should be above the law even if they conveniently target the political enemies of those accountable for enforcing it. Well, I guess the biggest thing is that uh, that's where we're at. You know, if you don't believe what I believe, you don't espouse what I espouse, then you will be attacked and we'll use your tax dollars to do it. Well, that you'll definitely be targeted by federal agencies. The attacking thing, I think these people attack in places that they're almost confident there won't be any retaliation. You, I think I sent you that article with this guy who was either in Georgia or Florida. I think it was in Georgia. I tried to rob a store and Three separate customers drew their firearms on him. Yeah, that's all sure. <laughs> you sent me this one in Mexico, and man, this this I think it's pretty sure it's in Mexico. But the dude had a gun. He was trying to rob store, and then this patron, when the perp walked by him, stood up, pulled out his gun, shot him in the back. Uh, he rolled over to the door and the dude just kept shooting and walking up to him. And I was like, whoa. That's some serious. Uh, so you guys have heard this. Ashley Babbitt's mother was arrested outside U.S. Capitol. She was there to honor her daughter. And she was detained near the U.S. Capitol on Friday afternoon. This is Epic Times by Mimi Ngoyenlai. The detainment took place during a demonstration on the second anniversary of the death of Babbitt and three other Americans on January 6th. Mickey Withuft was detained. Uh, 58 told the Epic Times she was there to honor her daughter who died two years ago after being shot by Capitol Police, Lieutenant Michael Byrd. Withuft was arrested around 1.45 local time by officers from the U.S. Capitol and charged with having violated two traffic violations two traffic regulations blocking and obstructing roadways. Quote, as is typical for this charge, Miss Withwoof was processed and released this afternoon after being given a citation to appear in court later day. The group didn't have a permit to demonstrate. Other officers established a clear police line to prevent the group from moving further west on Independence Avenue. The officers and officials told the group to get out of the road or the group would be arrested. The USCP said that Whitworth was given multiple warnings to get out of the road, but instead of doing so, she refused to leave, turned around with her hands behind her back, and asked to be arrested. She told the Epic Times that she and the group saw the Capitol grounds had been fenced off. They were letting people in, but they would not let us in because we had flags. So I chose to walk down the street and the street that I was blocked off with my flags. All right. They were letting people in, but they would not let us in because we had flags. So I chose to walk down the street that was blocked off with my flags, she remembers. 
When we turned the corner, more of the sidewalk was blocked off, and our option was to walk on the side fence or to cross the street where we could not lay flowers. So I chose to walk along the road so I could lay flowers for the four people that died that day, my daughter being one of them. When I did that move out of the road, I was arrested and cuffed by a really angry, aggressive Capitol Police officer who left wounds on my arm from handcuffing me. Video posted to Twitter from News 2 share producer Ford Fisher showed the Capitol Police Lieutenant Ryan Schoff was the officer who arrested Wuthuth. Video showed that at the time, Wuthuth was holding a rose and was being told to move to the sidewalk. Another woman was with her was holding a sign with Ashley Babbitt's name on it. The woman was trying to talk to one of the officers, but the officer told them, you're not obeying traffic laws. You can move to the sidewalk or, you, or you're being placed under arrest. We're not discussing it. Sidewalk now or you're under arrest. It's that simple. Following the officer's remarks, Wuthuth was seen handing the rose to the rose she was holding to the woman, then turned around with her hands behind her back uh, so that she could be arrested. When asked what she was thinking when she decided to be arrested instead of moving on, instead of moving out of the road with the other demonstrators, Wuthuth told the Epic Times, I was there to honor my daughter, and they were trying to make that impossible by their barricades and their failure to admit us to the Capitol grounds, and they were admitting everybody around us. I just wanted to lay some flowers for my daughter and for Roseanne, Kevin, and Benjamin. God bless America, she added. Free the January Sixers. Four Americans died on January 6, 21, amid the mayhem that took place that day on Capitol grounds. Babbitt, Roseanne, Boylan, Kevin, Greeson, and Benjamin Phillips. Babbitt's death was ruled a homicide. Paul Sperry and Real Clear Investigations in late 21 identified Bird as the person who shot Babbitt prior to her death. The deaths of Greeson and Phillips were officially determined to be due to natural causes. But independent journalist Taylor Hansen, who was wearing press credentials while among the crowd that day, alleged that the two men both suffered fatal heart attacks from the munitions being thrown by the Capitol Police. Hansen previously published a video showing some explosive munitions that went off in the crowd and the resultant panic on that day. Meanwhile, Boylan's death ruled as an accident. But video unsealed in December 21 showed that she was repeatedly struck by a police officer as she lay unconscious near the Capitol building. The joint session of Congress on January 6, 21 was temporarily interrupted when a sizable group of protesters entered the Capitol. Ah, blah, 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 you already know it. As of late December, more than 900 individuals have been dealt charges by the Department of Injustice accusing them of having committed federal crimes on January 6. Dozens of Americans continue to be held in prison without trial. Uh, Omicron subvariant XBB.1.5 could be more likely to infect vaccinated New York City health officials. Oh, we talked about that last week. This? Mm-hmm. Well, not that exact article, but the fact that the uh, the bivalent yeah. uh, booster 
was um, designed specifically for the very first strain and had absolutely no effect on uh, yeah. death. Yeah. So. More likely to infect the vaccinated. Oh, well. But that'll make sense to How some people. How these new people aren't dying suddenly? Well, there was that one that, uh, on, was it ABC or NBC, one of them, um, there have been a couple, a couple instances of, uh, of people dropping down during live shows and live broadcasts. Really? Well, yeah, there have been a couple. I mean, I yeah, there have been a couple. Mm. I can't remember. The real story behind, I don't know if you guys heard about this, the real story behind mall security asking man to remove, quote, Jesus saves t-shirt. Daily Signal, Tyler O'Neill, January 17th. Mall security guards of the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, ordered a man to remove his Jesus saves t-shirt or leave the mall, footage shows. I didn't do anything, the man Paul Shorto told the Daily Signal in a Facebook message on Tuesday, they forced me to take off my shirt. The mall later said security later allowed Shorto to remain in the mall while wearing the shirt. Shorto's later comments to the Daily Signal suggest a reason behind mall security's actions, revealing the full story. Bystander Kamiko Rawls took footage of the incident, which has since gone viral on social media. Did you see the footage? In a video of the incident on Saturday, January 7th, a security guard tells Shoro, quote, I understand that, but Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. Close quote. Imagine if he said that about Muhammad. Well, in Minnesota. Come on now. Quote, people have been offended, the guard adds. Like I said, all we're asking you is to take your shirt off and you can go to Macy's. I didn't speak. I didn't say anything, Shoro replies. Take the shirt off and you can go to Macy's and you can do your shopping or you can leave the mall, the guard responds. Okay? Those are your only options right now. The guest referenced in the video was approached by Mall of America security on January 7th. The mall told the Daily Signal in an email statement one quote, one week prior he was issued a 24-hour trespass for soliciting guests. After a brief interaction, the guest was not required to change his shirt and was allowed to remain at the mall. Close quote. Shoro told the Daily Signal that one week prior to the incident he had been passing out flyers, which he identified as tracks and paper with verses, likely references to gospel tracts. The Mall of America's security webpage lists soliciting as an example of, quote, conduct that is disorderly, disruptive, or which interferes with or endangers businesses or guests, which the mall prohibits. The mall prohibits picketing, demonstrating, soliciting, protesting, or petitioning. They'd allow them to burn it down, though. Yeah. I bet. Handing out gospel tracts arguably does not constitute solicitation. But Shiro's decision to distribute these flyers sets the mall's security over reaction and contents. 
It seems to reveal why security spoke with him, even though it may not justify their actions. The front of Shoro's yellow t-shirt that reads Jesus saves and the back reads Jesus is the only way with the coexist sign crossed out. Franklin Graham, president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, praised Shoro's t-shirt and lamented the, in the incident. Quote, Jesus saves. I love the message on this man's t-shirt, but the Mall of America in Minnesota didn't, Graham tweeted. Security guards approached him and told him to take the shirt off and leave. One guard is on video saying Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. Close quote. What about the hijab? <laughs> I mean, but again, this is Minnesota, so you would expect that there. But a non-Muslim person could say the same thing about the hijab. Mm -hmm. In the same scenario, that's religious paraphernalia that I find offensive because I don't believe in it. You know, would they react the same way? Oh, we know the answer to that. But he looked compliant, which is why they harassed him. I'm just saying. That's my, I don't know what he looks like. But, um, he didn't look like he would uh, push back. Hmm. Would be my guess. New body cam footage boosts interest in release of 14,000 hours of January 6th video. I saw that, you know. Okay, can I just say 14,000 hours? There's that much footage that's not been seen? Wow. You got nothing to hide. Seems like that would be easy. Let's see. Uh, Epic Times by Joseph M. Hanneman. January 18th. Updated January 19th. Dramatic body cam footage showing protesters doing CPR on the lifeless body of January 6th protester Roseanne Borland, which we just read about, has increased interest in the U.S. House authorizing the release of more than 14,000 hours of security, security video footage still being kept from the public two years after the incident. A video posted on Twitter by columnist Julie Kelly of American Greatness shows a new angle of the attempted resuscitation of Boylan, 34, of Kennesaw, Georgia, who died on January 6. It was part of more than two hours of video Kelly obtained from the body cam of a D.C. Metropolitan Police Department officer who was in the Lower West Terrace Tunnel at the Capitol. Discovery of the video boosted the already growing interest in having the U.S. under having the U.S. House under GOP control release the 14,000 to 16,000 hours of January 6 security video. Quote, momentum is without question building for this stuff to be released, said defense attorney Joseph McBride, who secured the release of three hours of CCT, CCTV video from the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. It has been building for some time, he says. When you look at the members of the House Judiciary Committee and the House Oversight Committee, and the quality and depth of people that were put on the, those, those committees Pride says their priority is going to be to release that video to make sure the public sees that video so there's a full accounting of for what happened. 
pull that card. Well, I mean, that's what he said, but I, I, we'll see. But we always say that. Okay. Uh, what's this dude's name? Trey Gowdy is another one. Always up making a set of noise and doing one damn thing about anything. These people disgust me. The new body cam video shows a group of protesters carrying the prone Boylan and setting her directly in front of a line of police officers as another protester performs CPR. Get a medic! shouted former Sheriff Deputy Ronald Colton McAbee, or McAbee pointing to the back of the tunnel. The video repeats the words of the protesters heard on other body cam footage obtained. I need compressions, one rescuer shouted. She's effing dead. That's on you, mother Fuddrucker. Turn your effing badge in. Shame on you. Officers grabbed Boylan by the clothing and dragged her through the tunnel and into the Capitol. Police outside the building stood by and did not render aid despite protesters begging for their help dozens of times. Inside the Capitol, a team of SWAT officers and D.C. fire and EMS personnel rendered life-saving aid for 50 minutes, including the use of an automated external NAED. But efforts ultimately failed. The collapse of Boylan and the police's failure to help her enraged the massive crowd on the Lower West Terrace. Fighting between protesters and police intensified for more than an hour before the crowd was driven off. Brett Boylan, Roseanne's father, said the family still hopes for an investigation of their daughter's death and police's failure to render aid. The new video just makes that one question stand out even more. Why they ignored the other protesters' pleas for help. Boylan told the Epic Times in an email. They just stood there and watched until they finally grabbed her by the ankles and dragged her into the tunnel. Sounds pretty compassionate, so... Anyway. Sarah McAbee, Ronald Colton McAbee's wife, says she is glad more of the truth is coming out. Everything that Colt has said from the exact time this happened to today is true, McAbee told the Epic Times in an email. Quote, quote, now the evidence is coming out to support his story. I am glad the truth is starting to come to light. They have tried to, uh, to narrate the story of January 6th to make people like Colt out to be monsters when in real reality they were the ones. They were being heroes and police were being monsters. Someone said it best. The only police officer to help Roseanne in the West Terrace Tunnel that day is Officer Ronald Colton McAbee. She said, all we can do is continue to pray for the 14 to 16,000 hours of evidence will be released to show the public the true events. This is the thing that is getting with the GOP. There's always this beat and switch. They'll present this problem and then present themselves as the solution to this problem. And they just give people false hope. And uh, they use it to campaign on. But when you look at these Democrats, they don't give a damn. They'll release anything in a heartbeat. Look at... Uh, I don't know about a heartbeat, but they... But I think this GOP is different. Well, I think... 
<laughs> McCarthy has been interesting to say the least. I'll say that. Um, as, as, uh, I, I didn't care too much for him to be joined. No, we talked about that way back, and we said he's not a true conservative, but because of the rise in popularity of conservatism in the speaking in the voting block sense, he's become interesting. So he's kind of being forced to be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, this they doing this is for their political survival, right? Yeah. They, it was that was the thing that happened with Trump, right? Like it was politically expedient the GOP to align themselves with him because he was the the breeze that blew through and uh, anyone that didn't would have been left behind and as soon as it became no longer beneficial you see they all turned on him um, so these guys I, I, I don't have too much expectation well uh, good because then you'll be pleasantly surprised I don't know I think this one's different I think there was a lot of them that held out their vote until he uh, capitulated on a lot of things so well they, they had to right I think um, that that's they're gonna hold his feet to the fire they, I think they will um, I, I think that they will but my thing is right um, what is the issue what is the keep back with releasing this footage? What is the what? The keep back. What 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 oh, is preventing back. it from being released? You know, things get leaked all the time. Look at the Supreme Court. They, <laughs> you know, it's always convenient. You know, le- leaked. <laughs> um, so I think that in these investigations, people are getting nervous enough to where they will, in order for a lighter sentence start to flip I, I don't think so because th- there is no accountability for anyone in this country anymore. Well, and until like. well yeah exactly and that whole thing with so I was listening to um, to E.T. show uh, was it last week or the week before and he had a he had an interesting take on this whole classified documents thing he said, I don't know what they're trying to hide, but that story is a distraction from something else. He said, this is how these people operate. Now, my first suspicion was, well, I didn't think that somebody just had an attack of conscience in the Biden camp. That I didn't believe at all. Right? So, my thing was, well, they, they're probably trying to move against him. Right, to get him out. Mm. That was the only thing that made sense. But it is true. When they put something out front and center, it's sleight of hand with these people. I mean, if you have the footage, just release it. Say it leaked. I don't know how it get leaked. That's what... And until they are prepared to do what the left does, they will always lose. Mm. We're the party of principle. We won't lower ourselves to that standard. <laughs> I don't think that's 
still in play. Uh, they ain't release it yet, so until they do something. I mean, it takes time for these for the wheels of justice. To right. <laughs> turn and turn and turn. Anyhow, until they show me that they are willing to to fight fire with fire, dealing with these Democrats, they will always lose. As boiling collapsed at the mouth of the tunnel after police released a chemical irritant or gas that set off a stampede. Dozens of protesters tumbled down the stairs, creating a deadly human pileup. Once Boylan was freed from under the pile, a D.C. Metro officer inexplicably began striking her unconscious body with a walking stick. Police later deemed that use of force as objectively reasonable. Other footage recently obtained by the Epic Times provides three other examples of the value of video in telling a complete story. Security camera video from the U.S. Capitol Police shows a new angle of protester Derek Vargo being shoved off a landing on the west side of the Capitol by a USCP officer wearing a motorcycle helmet. Vargo had climbed up the stone railing with um, balusters in an effort to hang his Donald Trump flag from the side of the staircase. He ducked the baton swings from one police officer, but when he stood up, the motorcycle officers put officers pushed push sent him flailing to the ground below Vargo blacked out when he hit the ground he sustained serious ankle injuries that required surgical repair body cam footage from the lower west terrace tunnel provides a brief additional glimpse into the abuse suffered by protester Victoria White who was featured in the July 22 Epic Times film the real story of January 6th. The video shows a bloodied, distraught, and dazed white, the person, Victoria White, being grabbed, shoved, and spun around by police officers. Her jeans at the time were pulled down part way. White was beaten in the head and face nearly 40 times. Most of the blows delivered by Metropolitan Police Department Commander Jason Bagshaw. He was identified by federal prosecutors as the officer in a white uniform shirt who struck White in the tunnel. White said she is taking a wait-and-see attitude about the release of thousands of hours. January 16th. I pray it all is released, but talk is all it is right now, White told the Epic Times in a statement. I believe, I believe it when I see it. Another body, there you go. Another body cam video from near the mouth of the tunnel shows back and forth fighting between a rioter and a D.C. Metro officer. The protester lunged at the officer who later repeatedly punched the man in the head before a bystander intervened. So if you're a Trump protester, you go to jail if you're... Well, that police beating is not sanctioned. That's not for the greater good. You know, nothing to see there. But, you see, when they beat a criminal, especially if he's black, then you can't have that. You know, you can't have that. Well, yeah, if you don't, that's what about the Tyree Nichols? I haven't touched that. 
and I won't. I will say this. Whenever the media in mass presents someone as a dog-trodden victim of, poli- of, of, of brutality, when some digging is done, come to find out that person is not as saintly as the... Have you seen the video? No, I refuse to watch it. Uh, I've seen it. I watched yeah. it. And I, I'm going to say something on it because I haven't heard anybody else say this. But I have a question. Is Tyree... Uh, I don't know how to say this. Mentally retarded. It's not meant to be mean. And the reason that I ask that is because his behavior indicated that he didn't completely understand what, what was mean? happening. Mm-hmm. And... I understand that he was resisting arrest, but that still, if you watch the video, he's mm. handcuffed and the officers are beaten. I mean, they're hitting him while his hands are cuffed behind mm. the back. And while he's on the ground, they kick him. Mm. Um, so, and these are all black officers. Yeah, now they they try. So and this is the thing, right? Now you know a, a dead all being charged. A dead clock is right twice a day. Um. At first, they were trying to peg this as racism, even though it was uh, black officers that were carrying on this way. And then that didn't stick, so they quickly pivot and went in a whole different direction. Which, you see, when you do stuff like that, I have to be suspect of of what it is you're, you're, you're doing and how you're going about it. And, um, I mean, I don't know, man. And, and you see, this is the other thing, too, right? When you have so many bad cases of these kinds of things, it's like, I'll use a good example. When you cry racism for everything, mm. right? Somebody look at you in a way that you don't like, they're racist, right? Uh, somebody dress a certain way they're racist they they hold a certain view they're racist everything is racist when it really happens doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. because they've cried wolf for everything they've they've stripped the potency and 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 the the all of the the terrible things that come along with that kind of exchange so when people hear it they're like there they go again right and Maybe that is where I am with this. Like I said, I haven't watched it. I just heard about it and touch it in any way, shape, or form. Because I'm like, what's well, this more of the same again? Right? And and maybe I'm wrong. But that is a natural consequence of what they've done. Mm-hmm. Every time something happens, this guy disarmed a police officer in Atlanta was it two years ago and shot at him with his teaser right and he is the victim (laughs) you know and then they cry racism I mean really (laughs) and when you have instance after instance after instance of that kind of thing how, how can you take anything seriously at that point you know, and you know, if this is as a straight up 
just a bad situation it's unfortunate because because of what they've done is not going to to be to be treated as it should be you know because they've 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 done wrong so many times mm-hmm. with this you know that when a real victim you know is um happen someone is really really victimized they're like oh yeah they're just another one there they go again what did he do didn't he listen he tried to grab their gun that's what the people will say you know and it's unfortunate this is really a disservice it was an atrocity though I, that's what the footage uh, at no time did i hear any officer this is what i'm listening for uh they they ran up to him in traffic and ripped him out of the car now, if you if you're gonna pull someone over or something like that, the officer who's squared away is gonna go, "Sir, I, I need you to step out of the car, please." You know, it's this low, right. monotone, non-threatening. Sir, I need you to step out of the car, please. Sir, I'm gonna ask you one more time to step out of the car, please. And if you don't, I'm gonna have to tase you. Do you understand that, sir? You know, there's this, but there was none of that. I mean, it uh. was just high rage from these guys. They were pissed off at this dude. For real. For real. Yeah. I mean, when he was handcuffed and they were, you know, you could see in the video his head goes, wow, uh, from them hitting him. Uh, and then they threw him up against the, the, the cop car with his hand still handcuffed. It was, uh, it was outrageous. And well, these guys were out of control. Yeah, it, it, if there's nothing more to it, I, I sincerely hope that they, they punish these guys to the full extent of the law. But I'll tell you, man, I'm spent on it. I, I really am. And, and that's a real, that, that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. I mean, that's why the video made a difference for me. If it was yeah. all just hearsay, yeah, I could understand that. But I, I, I wanted to see the video because how do you, how do you, how do you lie with that? Yeah. And they had, they had the body cam footage. They had the CCTV uh, footage. Um, it was insane. I mean, it was like a gang initiation. Yeah, and so, and then, you know what I, I heard? So, and they I what was it? I saw, I, I didn't read this one either about another scenario, uh, but this time the, the, uh, the suspect was white, and apparently they laid into him too. Huh, and, know. yeah, nothing. No one touched that one. And I mean, and I'm like, you see, when you see stuff like that, man, there's kind of a tit for tit, tat for tat type of nonsense. There's people's lives you're talking about, and they they play games with. You see, these lives, people like, what's his name, Tyrone, Tyree, Tyree, Tyree Nichols, mm-hmm. yeah, people like Tyree Nichols, unfortunately, have become expendable clickbait for mm. these people they don't care no. because guess what any whiff of that dynamic they'll grab it and run with it and then when further details come out then they just toss it and they move on to the next one and they just go look and you know unfortunately like I said a dead clock is right twice a day you know they'll get a legitimate case you know, once in a while, and you know, if if this, if this is that, 
then is is very unfortunate you know because i really want to know what the what did he do yeah. because the excuse they gave was reckless driving huh. um but they were they were just like hot off hot to trot from the get-go i could understand being pretty pissed off uh for him getting away the first uh -huh. time but even even then you still don't have a right to beat the hell out of somebody no you don't and you don't. it was yeah I, I, it, was, it was messed up and it yeah the media of course you know if it had been any white person involved you would continue to hear the same story but now you don't even hear anything about it yeah and this man is dead the, the reason I asked about his mental state is because um, he just didn't seem like he was a little confused or he didn't really understand, and then he ran away. And I don't know if he, he knows these guys or they know him or he saw them do something and they needed yeah. to do something to him or what. Wow. But he was yelling for his mama. Yeah, uh, that that I did read. I heard, but I watched know? him and listened to yeah. him. Because I heard you say that, like, from the paragraph that i read like he actually wasn't too far from his no, mother's house like 60 yards yeah and he was trying to get there yeah so yeah but I, see i mean if you were getting beat up would you yell for your mama yeah and so you I, would? i've heard well i'll say this that's not the first thing that comes to mind when i'm getting beat i, I, I might say help i'm not gonna say mom well i mean i don't know but I, i've heard um that um, but you can keep me honest here that um, in the military that is not uncommon when these young boys oh. uh, they'll they'll ball out for their mom so he was 29 and he had a child and he lived with his parents so those things make me think that maybe he's uh, you know a little off or whatever but yeah. maybe he's not you know he had he worked a shipping job I think he worked for FedEx and maybe he's not off at all, but I just, it just felt weird. Yeah. The way he, his behavior felt like it was out of a lack like of Like he wasn't all there. Yeah. There was an incident in Georgia. This was a while ago, small town. And um, someone, this somehow became um, public record the incident was required I don't know if it was from um, body cam footage or if it was someone with a cell phone but small town a um, couple officers got called drunk and disorderly guy alright and they get there and they start talking to him and then um, of course drunk he's belligerent you know, um, non-compliant, non-cooperative, threatens the police, and then runs at one of them <laughs> to fight, right? And the the person that got their hands on this were trying to use it to to suggest that if that guy was black they would have shot him to death on the spot right so here's the kicker the guy grew up 
were the police officers. They're from the same town. Oh, wow. Went to school together. Went all the way through high school. Never, I mean, they've known each other all their lives. The guy is always drunk. Mm. <laughs> right? And they're saying that they didn't shoot him because he was white. No. He knew. Mm-hmm. You know? This guy, he had a, a very personal relationship with this person. He knew that this was not a threat. This was just Friday night with Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right. Exactly. Um, and it, it, it speaks to the state of mind that you need to have as a law enforcement. If you're nervy and you're jumpy, you shouldn't be in police. And, you know, we, and we can probably get into that in one of our later videos, but when they started outsourcing the recruiting of police officers, that was when all of this bad policing started to, hmm. to become a phenomenon. Because it used to be the local police would recruit from within the community. Right, they would go outside the community to recruit police officers, but it was a time-consuming thing, um, you know, and they just didn't have the the manpower to do it. But um, but yeah, uh, so not everything. The point is, not everything is as it seems simple as black and white. I mean, these are you have a lot of other things that that factor into sometimes what happens and what doesn't happen. But like I said, is is very unfortunate for this young man and his family. Um and I think to not feel that way, you know, you something is wrong with you. Um I, I just personally refuse to, to to engage in it simply because of how it has always been leading up to this and, and I just didn't want to deal with that. But if it is a legitimate instance of bad policing and a, a wrongful death, then I, I hope that they are punished to the full extent of the law. Yeah, they're looking at yeah. some serious jail time. Yeah, and, and, and it's a travesty because, like I said, when you get it right once, and the 20 times before that, you know, it has just been, you know, as is convenient, that's that's very unfortunate for the guy. But it's the same way in marriage. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do something right a thousand times, but it's the what you do wrong one time, <laughs> bam, and that's what you're called on. <laughs> that's all we got time for now today. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe. It's free. Let us know the Greg and Dave Show at Outlook.com. The Greg N. Letter N. Dave Show at Outlook.com. Until next time, take care, God bless, and stay safe. Peace.